Well, welcome to the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. This podcast is an extension of Renaissance. We're a new grassroots church movement getting off the ground in the Boston metro area with a humble vision to empower everyday people, dreamers, creators, and enjoyers of life to showcase the beauty of Christ in our city. Every episode, we'll talk about themes related to that vision and what it means to be the church in our unique cultural moment. To find out more about us, head to wearerenaissance.org. In the meantime, we're glad you're tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Dream Create Enjoy podcast. This is one of your hosts, Drew Thurman. And I'm Jace Rashi. And yes, it's been a little while since we recorded our last episode, uh, mostly because we've had a lot of personal things going yeah, on. Yeah, Drew, why, why has it been so long? <laughs> Tell us what the. Uh, well, going on. we had our second daughter, uh, Dottie Kendall mm. Thurman is her name. Congrats. Um, thank you. So I am now uh, back to living the sleepless life. <laughs> and uh, I have to say, everyone who warned me that two is a game changer, I'm a couple of weeks in and, you know, you just have no time to yourself. Yep. Like, it's, uh, I'm, I've thought that after the first, like, what did I do with all this extra time? And now that I've got two, it's like, there's no time for any, I mean, anything. I'm just going to run from one child to the next, right? one diaper to the next, one emergency <laughs> to the next. Uh, well, and you thought that wasn't enough, so you had to go and buy a house in the middle of all. Ha- and and a, try to buy a house. And, oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're not very smart. So we take on too much, and then we're like, why did we do all of this? So, right. And speaking of which, you guys are having your second. We are having our second, which is, uh, Katie said last week on the podcast, and we hadn't actually posted <laughs> yet. We were, uh, if you know us, that will not surprise you that no. we procrastinated on that. I think we still have some Christmas presents we haven't delivered yet. So that gives you insight into our well, lives. Can... But yeah, so Katie outed us last week on the, or whenever, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. But we have since posted. Everybody knows. So yes, we are expecting our second one June 5th. And it's a boy. So we are excited about that. Congrats. Yeah. That's exciting. Yes. Uh, if you don't get your Christmas present from the Rashis till May or June, that's kind of expected. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. if so you right get it now, before then, that's I was early. Say, this is March. I mean, you've got tons of time, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Drew just got his for me uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I was like shocked. I've never gotten a Christmas present from you that soon. So, <laughs> anyway, well, with all that uh, said, all the personal updates aside. Uh, We are actually getting close to being done with this first season. We've got this episode and the next one we are on Enjoy. Um, You know, we said at the top of the episode, we are all about empowering dreamers, creators, and enjoyers of life to showcase the beauty of Christ in our city. And so we've been breaking down two weeks on dream, two weeks on create, two weeks on enjoy, really breaking down those concepts and what they mean um, in in, uh, the life of a Christian and what we're trying to help people foster um, is a part of this movement, this church planting movement renaissance where we're at. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. And then uh, like we typically do, we're going to be interviewing somebody in the next episode to kind of give us some real life application in connection to that idea. But before we, uh, we get to all of that, before next week, and then even we start breaking down this concept, why don't you, Jace, First, just kind of introduce some of the themes that we're going to be talking about. When we when we say enjoy, right. why is that a core value uh, that we're really trying to to foster in the life of a Christian? Right. There's well, there's a lot of reasons. First off, um, 
But one of my life verses, one of my favorite verses that I that Drew probably hears me quote uh, a lot is John 10.10. So I'll read that for you. Um, first in the NIV version, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Uh, and that full life. And I would uh, want to read the message version as well because I think it's equally as awesome. Um, it says, A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And I think that that, um, why I love that verse so much is that more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Of Like, I know for me growing up in the church that I did in my background, that was just to think that, that there was something to this Christian faith that was fun and that was the best life that I could have would have been totally out of the realm of possibilities. To me. Fun with Christian right. faith. Like that is just not, that is not at all what I was brought up. So that the idea that we can have more and better life than we could have ever dreamed of, this idea that God truly and Jesus truly has our best lives for us. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times we, we think it's opposite. We think, well, I can either do what I want or I can follow God. And I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. And so I just love... That and just the importance of enjoyment in the Christian life and, and as a witness to others. You know, we, we've said before a lot, you know, in another place in the scriptures, it talks about the kingdom of God is like when you find a treasure in the field uh, and you go and sell everything you have and you buy the field because you found it, you found the treasure. And we say all the time, like if we, if we believe that, that what we have is a treasure in the field, we should actually live like it. We should live like we found the treasure and not these boring drab lives where we aren't living up to everything that God created us for. And so that, I think those for me are the two biggest things that, of the enjoyment that really get me going of, of re, we really need to show the world a different way of living. That's not just this holier than thou has to take place in a building on Sunday morning, but truly enjoying life the most and living life to the fullest. And I think that's, what's really going to captivate people about what we're trying to do. No, that's, dude, that's awesome stuff. And uh, I, one of the things you, you said really stuck out to me as you were saying it, my mind was kind of, uh, you know, was, was moving over here, um, rapid fire, but you said something about, I can choose what I want to do, or I can choose what God wants to do. I think that in of itself, if you want to really circle a perfect phrase of uh, kind of the conundrum that most people feel they're in, mm -hmm. I think that's it. And it reminds me, one of my, um, <clears throat> You know, I go back to it a lot. I reread it every single year. But one of my favorite things uh, was actually an address, I don't even know now, probably 75, 80 years ago that C.S. Lewis gave mm. uh, called The Weight of Glory. You know, it's, I think it's been published in multiple forms now. You can get on and read it. But I would argue it'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better sermon that was ever delivered. But in it, he has f several famous quotes, I'm sure. If anyone's ever read C.S. Lewis, they've, they've heard those before. But he has an idea in there where he talks, he kind of complains even of the Christians of his day mm -hmm. that they were kind of more, more mimicking Stoicism, ancient philosophy, than they were Christianity, that they had decided that self-denial was the chief mm -hmm. virtue, which is kind of what you're getting at, right. that, I, get to, that I, I can't choose what I want to do. I've got to just set that all aside. It's only what God wants me to do, that that's the chief virtue and the chief aim of life and the Christian life. And C.S. Lewis complains and says, that's, that's not true at all. That's stoicism. Right. That's not Christianity. He said, stoicism said that our desires were too strong and that we needed to get rid of those mm -hmm. so that we could actually live the lives that we were supposed to live. 
and C.S. Lewis says, no, 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 the New Testament tells us that our desires are too weak mm-hmm. and that we settle mm-hmm. far too easily. God has got this incredible life that he wants us to live. He, right. He's given us this creation. In fact, we look around and there's a lot of creation that doesn't make any sense It doesn't really seem to serve a purpose outside of God is a creator God and he loves to create beautiful and fun and awesome things. He's wanting us to enjoy and and participate in this life. Um, And we we settle far too easily for the kind of life that God really wants us to to live. And so we need to lean more into the beauty of life and, and creation around us rather than saying, oh, I'm just buying my time in in holy living until I get to go to heaven. Right. I, I don't think that's ever been what God was. Well, and that's to get. and that. Yeah, you know, I just love that. And we're going to unpack this more after the break. But even you know, in the message version that I read, um, it says, "I came so that they can have real and eternal life." And I think so many people are, are treat this world as if they're just it's just a holding pen until eternity gets here. And what this is saying is that Jesus came so we could have an eternal life starting now. Like we can start to live into this now and see heaven on earth now. And I think that's what the whole thing of enjoying just brings so much um, passion to me because I just think that that's really what we need to be doing as Christians. So we'll be back uh, in just a little bit to unpack all that a little bit more. Back to uh, break down this this concept just a little bit further, uh, and I, I really want to go back. We've kind of we kind of hit on this um, a little bit, and we're, again, we're going to unpack everything that we just introduced before the break. Uh, but really, want to walk back and talk about the problem, uh, and really clarify that before we talk about what we need to be doing. Um, as you kind of alluded to, I alluded to it as well. But part of the problem of what's really taking place here is that it's really the aim of life in Christians. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, um, I don't remember when I read this, but um, I read too much, so sometimes I don't always remember. I don't remember how you remember anything that you read. <laughs> um, but a while back, I was remember reading something about this tension that Christians live with in every age of idolatry versus piety, which is just the idea. When we think of idolatry, a lot of times we think of actual idols, statues, like in ancient Rome or, you know, Athens or whatever else. But really, anything that we worship um, can become an idol. And I think there, and there really is, there is some things that we should be thoughtful of. We very quickly, Romans chapter 1 talks a lot about how we can worship the creation instead of the creator. Mm -hmm. Uh, If we're not careful, those, the creation around us, we can enjoy so much that it becomes our God, little right. G. But I think Christians are often so scared of that, that becomes the, the preeminent worry that they kind of go to that other side. They swing the pendulum far to the other side of piety, mm-hmm. of kind of this overtly religious uh, lifestyle and mindset of being very reverent and holy in, in our look. And so we right. end up kind of saying, well, I just, everything's got to be overtly Christian or churchy or godlike. Um, so that I, I don't ever have to worry about idolatry. And I think that's definitely been the case of Christianity in our country. You know, we are descendants uh, kind of of Puritanism. Mm-hmm. It's ironic. We're recording this podcast right, right where the Puritans uh, landed actually 400 years ago this year, mm-hmm. 1620 um, in Plymouth. You know, they're going to have their big celebration this year. 
and uh, you know, that really was, you know, Boston was a Puritan-based city. So much of the first Great Awakening was birthed out of Puritanism, mm -hmm. and I, I always kind of kid around that they took the fun out of faith. Uh, if you, I won't bore everybody with the details, but they yep. they really were so pious, and they were, you know, worried all the time about anything that wasn't overtly religious. Um, and overtly godly and reverent. Mm -hmm. And so we've, we've kind of, you know, we've walked away from a lot of that, so to speak. But at the same time, I think we still, more than we realize, have that thinking in our mindset. Even as evangelicals and Protestants in the 21st century, you know, 400 years later, we are still kind of living with that mindset of, you know, what, do I have to, I have to pick one or the other. Right. And often we, 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 end up kind of pushing people to that latter one. And I think what we need to work on is saying it's not an either or God's really wanting us to integrate creation and mm -hmm. spirituality. He has designed, and I kind of hinted at this earlier, there's, he's designed this world, not always, you know, and not everything's practical around us. Not everything right. makes sense. Uh, he's designed a beautiful creation uh, based for our enjoyment. We should be loving creation, depending on creation, loving our neighbors, loving other people, enjoying everything that he has around us, all of these good gifts, and not worshiping the gifts in of themselves, but through enjoying them, embracing them, realizing they're pointing to a gift giver right. that we should be enjoying. And I think if we're really getting at a problem, that's been the essence of the problem. And I know, again, you, you kind of hinted at this earlier, you grew up, and again, we, we're not calling out all of Catholicism because there's right. lots of beautiful things Catholicism has done. It's not a, Absolutely. Um, it's all evil, it's all bad. But I think very, very religious, mm -hmm. um, very parochial, you know, high church mentality. Yes. Um, if we're, you, you know, anybody who's grown up in a Catholic background has probably right. struggled with this a little bit of this pious... And I can remember being, yeah. honestly, you know, I was in middle school. I, I did everything. I went to religion class. I went, I was a server in the Catholic church. And I can remember even at an early age, probably when I was in middle school um, or early high school, just feeling like, I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I was drawn towards the church. And now looking back, I can see very clearly that God was pointing me in a direction towards ministry. But but at that time, I just, I didn't know, but I, I couldn't wrap my head around it because while I felt like that, I just could never see myself getting in, going that direction because, well, one, priests don't get married and I wanted to get married. But two, it just seemed like that, yeah, like there's that, that, there's always that. Yeah. But two and two, but it's, it's the looking at, at everyone else and be like, but that, it, it felt like I had to choose like. Either I can have fun with my life or I just do this thing and I'm just going to hate the rest of my life, but I'm doing it all for God. And that was kind of like the tension I was feeling even at a young age. And I think that that's, you know, I, we, I've shared before too that I was, uh, I worked for Young Life. I got involved with Young Life in high school and I worked for Young Life for seven years. And really that was why I gravitated towards Young Life because that was the first time that I saw people who had faith but also were having a ton of fun. And that was a, really attractive to me. And so as someone who grew up in the Catholic Church being surrounded by things of faith all the time, but never really getting it, what attracted me most about this group of people that I ended up, you know, working for for seven years was how much that they, how deep their faith was, but how much fun they had in the midst of that. And I think that's, that's really why I'm passionate about it and brings, you know, back memories for me is that I, I think that's the biggest thing that I've seen in doing youth ministry for 
over 10 years is, you know, kids, kids will be following Jesus and pursuing Jesus, but thinking that they have to choose between whether that, like I did, like, does that mean I ha- can't do any of this fun stuff or can I actually, you know, do, do I have to just go into ministry or can I go do this really good thing that I'm good at? Maybe it's photography, maybe it's engineering. And it's just trying to help people see that they, you can have fun with your faith and not be in a ministry setting, but still be doing stuff for the kingdom of God. And I think that well, that's really what I think that's, about. you're really getting out that last part you said, I think resonates with me. Um, you know, I grew up in a, in a Christian household, but I kind of grew up in the, uh, the heyday of the Christian subculture, the nineties, there was mm. so much, um, the entertainment industry for evangelical and Protestant Christians just boomed. Right. And it was, it was like, well, let's have fun, but we can only have fun with a overtly Christian or church label. Right. So we're just going to like mimic everything happening in the culture around us. And we're just going to do a really bad spin on it yeah. and label slap Christian on it. You know, this is with the heyday of Christian bookstores. Oh yeah. And Christian movies. Don't oh, get me started. Yeah, no, we won't even talk about it. <laughs> but even Christian music, like we, I've kidded around with a lot of my friends, you know, you would go in, they'd have these like music bars at the, you know, uh, at the Christian bookstore and no alcohol, obviously only serving soda, oh, but you could course, go, yeah. go to the, to the, to it. And they had all, you know, they would pull these big, uh, booklets of CDs out, but it would always have a list. Like if you're interested, if you love Metallica, you know, and then it'd be like, <laughs> you can listen to audio adrenaline, uh, you know, <laughs> if you, you know, if you love Mariah Carey, there's Sandy Patty, you know, and the oh, terrible, gosh. terrible version I'm of glad it. I didn't grow up in that. They, they had, you know, shirts that like any, like. Uh, brand label. It was just like a churchy version of it, like a Reese's logo. Oh, I remember said, those. Yeah. Very oh, goodness. Yeah. And on and on and on and on. It was like, well, we can mimic the culture, but it has to have an overtly, mm-hmm. it was like a step in the right direction, but it wasn't all there. And I think even what you're getting at is there is a way to live in the world, right? to enjoy creation, to enjoy people and what is happening around us you know, we're not always engaging. We're not engaging in sin. We're not right. stepping over the line to participate in things that are clearly outlined as things that parameters God has put in place for us. Saying, "Hey, this isn't this isn't best for you," but it doesn't mean that we like live with this scared mentality right. of everything's got to be overtly Christian and, and got to have a church label on it. Um, it's that blending we talk a lot about. There is no sacred and secular. Right. We're beginning to see God in everything. God is moving around us all the time. He's working in ways that are are so far beyond the bounds of any label or box that we want to put him in. And it's learning to embrace and find enjoyment Mm -hmm. outside of a subculture that we create. You know, who I think does a really good job at this, uh, and I don't know if if any of our listeners have have read any of his books, but it's Bob Goff. So if you know anything about Bob, um, he just has a ton of fun everywhere he goes. Um, he's, he's not, I mean, he takes balloons with him. His laugh is like, he laughs at everything. Um, he's, he's what I would think is, is the definition of someone who's enjoying life, but being part of the culture as well. And I don't, um, I'm not going to claim to know Bob, but I did, when I was in college, I served at, uh, summer staff at Young Life. So if, if you're familiar with Bob and he talks about his house on the lake up in Canada, that's right next to a Young Life camp. And so when I was serving there for a month, they would have all of the summer staff over for a day on our on our day off. And we would get to hang out at Bob and Maria's cabin. And we I was playing ping pong with his kids and they were people were jumping into the 
into the lake. And so it was just a ton of fun. And, and I've said this to people way before Bob ever wrote a book or, um, became as famous as he is now, but, yeah. uh, that it was the most genuine people I think I'd ever met and the nicest people I'd ever met. And just so full of life. You could just feel it when you're in the house. And it's like, that's, that's what we're talking about is like, that's someone who's engaging with culture I mean, Bob's a lawyer, teaches at Pepperdine. I mean, he does all this stuff, but yet he's bringing with him this energy and this fullness of life everywhere he goes and integrating his faith into everything that he does, where he lives, works, and plays, um, and is really just exuding this joy for life that I think that we can all learn something from. Yeah, so. yeah. well, yeah, I think that's probably why he's selling millions of books. Right. Because There's you something read, attractive about yeah, it. Yeah, you hear him talk, you read those books, and you're like, goodness, this guy... He has something. And that actually perfectly segues us to the question I was going to really wanted to ask you based off of this is, you know, we, we hinted at this earlier too. Part of us enjoying the Christian life, I shouldn't just say enjoying life as Christians, right. is not just about us enjoying life, which is part of it. God does want us to enjoy him and his creation. Um, you know, that's always been his intent. He wants good things for us. Um, and he wants us to enjoy that which he has created. But also, there's a part of this with the culture around us as we are looking to invite other people to follow him uh, and to live in relationship mm-hmm. with him as we were designed and created to. That is, you know, there is a level to which we can't live with total joy until we know our creator, not just, his, right. not just what he's created for us. And as long as we look the other way, the, the problem we're pointing out, uh, we don't really seem to have a lot to offer. You know, if we're going to be the ones to claim life, shouldn't we be the most alive? Right. And so that's going to be what I was going to ask you about is how do you see this playing out, this concept we're talking about with our engagement with the world? Mm. Why do you think that's so yeah. important? Well, and I think this goes back, um, you know, to the point that I was making earlier with really when I was growing up seeing only two examples, like if I was going to follow God, it would look like this or I can not and it would look like this. And I think... I didn't really, you know, when I thought of spiritual people, what I thought of was the priest that was all dressed up or the past, you know, whoever's standing in front of you on a Sunday morning or, you know, Mother Teresa, or you hear all these, you know, these things about these really holy people. And you're like, well, I'm never going to be that. But so there wasn't really an example for me to look at of like, okay, that's something that I could do. And I think that that's what, you know, 99% of people aren't going to relate to the, they're, you know, they're not going to work in a spiritual field. They're not going to be called into the ministry, even though, you know, we've, we've talked about that before, but so they need an example that they can look at of someone who's actually doing this. And so when I, my, my experience has always been with high school kids. That's what I've been doing for most of my life. But, um, the, the example that comes to my mind is I volunteered coached football. And so I got to know a lot of the football guys and I was just a football coach, like any other football coach. And I got to know them and have relationships with them. And it was always interesting. The ones, and I didn't really plug young life or do anything while I was there. While I was there, I was just coach Rashi. Um, but the kids that would come to Young Life or hear me talking about Jesus at Young Life, it was almost like you could see the light bulb go off for them of like, oh my gosh, like you're not, like you're just this normal person that's a football coach. You're not this person that's in, you know, in front of the pews or in front of the chairs talking on a Sunday, like you're just one of us. And I think that's the most powerful thing when people see other people that they can relate to. You know, I was someone like them. I played football in high school. And it was just that same kind of mentality. I think, I think if we want to reach people like that and give them a way of like an option, especially younger people, but I think it works for everyone and you can share about that, but is we have to show a way 
that we're engaging with, with life and with faith in a way that's accessible to the 99% and not just the 1% who are very spiritual and are going to come to anything that you do anyways, but it's the other 99% that we need to be. And it's, it's, and it's a testimony to them of, of what this life to the full really truly looks like. Yeah. You, well, you yeah, I think too, to right? even build on that, I, I don't think I'd add a lot to that. I think you're hitting that head on. The thought that I came to, I think, as I worked with adults, I think, unfortunately, the church has become synonymous for, for what it's against rather than what mm. it's for. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because we feel like we have to live this perfect, holy Dispos- pi- pious right. disposition right. where we're, we're this and we're going to point and constantly tell the culture how bad it is mm-hmm. um, that everything needs to look exactly like what we think is happening inside the church walls right. and so we're just going to cry out and complain you know and again not that there aren't some things that we shouldn't be crying out at injustice and that we shouldn't be crying totally. out and saying this is not what God had planned this is not what the kingdom looks like I'm not saying that but unfortunately, a lot of it has just been cultural wars mm-hmm. and things that have more to do with political and institutional power than it does in, in us having, you know, say in culture rather than it does um, anything else. And so we're you know, just, uh, us just looking silly. Right. And I think if we would just be quiet more and say we're not, we're not winning anything in, in these culture wars or us, you know fighting, you know, in a silly way for everything to have an overtly Christian label on it. Right. And just see all of life as a gift, all of life, you know, that, that God's wanting to saturate and be a part of uh, inhabiting, all of it starting to look like the kingdom. If we would just be normal people that would live life in those rhythms and live out the alternative with joy mm-hmm. around people all the time, I think it would be what you would say. I think when we would speak, people would be like, wait a second. There is, there is something there. Or I, I think, right. you know, I, I'm the same way as someone who's done ministry, even the last couple of years here living in Boston, you know, when I'm engaging my running group and we're, mm-hmm. you know, watching a, a sports, uh, you know, a football game or basketball game at the pub afterwards. And I start having a conversation with somebody at running group and they find out what I do. You know, there's almost like a, they almost, you <laughs> like know, a double take. Yeah. They do a, a double take and they just look at me like, wait a second. Like, this isn't what I expected. Right. You're a normal guy. Uh, who seems really nice, who has fun, who loves sports, who loves our running group, who loves hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're claiming faith. You're right. just, this isn't what I, this isn't what I expected. And so I think if we could just get more Christians to say, can we just stop telling the culture how bad right. it is and trying to use other means to change culture and just say, I'm going to live an alternative story, live life, embrace mm-hmm. what God has around me. And then allow the spirit to work, right? Because you know, at the end of the day, that's really who changes people's lives and hearts anyway. And mm-hmm. through my enjoyment and through my engaging, and let the spirit work. And it really seems like there's really kind of two different. You know, I think the tension is is in what you were talking about with the pious and the and making everything overtly religious. Is I think a lot of times there's two different roads people take. They just remove themselves from culture and very sheltered, and that's the you get the Christian subculture that we're talking about. Or uh, in response to that, and a lot of people in my generation have done, is they don't look any different from the culture. They yeah. just do everything that the culture is doing. And, you know, that's not good either. But we, we need to be in the culture. We don't need to separate ourselves from it, but living with this, that we found the treasure. And living in life in such a way that's, that's, that's normal 
but not but, yes, but it's not pious. Also, yes. That's not pious, but it is also different from what the exactly. rest of culture is doing. I think that's what we're trying to the middle lane that we're trying to cover. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, I think if you are engaging culture and you don't have to like you know, use a bunch of religious language and right. only watch Christian entertainment. And only, but I mean, I think if you're in the world and you're a person who seems to genuinely care about people, right. who cares about the poor, who who seems well-rested, mm-hmm. uh, who seems rooted where they're at, who seems to notice people who are out on the margins, who seems to, to ask the questions no one else... Is, I mean, th- we can go on down the list. Those are the ways mm-hmm. that you start to live out the kingdom and right. start to, to look different than the culture around and you. And you start to be someone that people want to confide in because they, they sense this thing about you, this calmness, this peace of like, wow, that, that's someone that I need to go to. And you know, a lot of times that's where the door is opened yep. to be able to share is because you've earned that right with them. And, and I think it is a fine balance. You know, we were just, I'm on a coaching call every other week with a couple of couples we're coaching right now to be future leaders for us. And one of the things we were talking about, one of the ladies in that group was talking about how when she first became a Christian, she didn't get this. And so she just completely removed herself from all of her own mm. f- old friends and old friend groups and had to do everything around Christians now and in the, in the, within the Christian mm. church culture. And she looks back now and she regrets it. She probably thinks, why did all of her friends are like, why did they, she ghost me? Yeah, I uh, regret it too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. my story. And she, she looks back now and says, what, what was I doing? And, you know, she said, I've never really filled in the gap. And, I, and as I thought through that, I said, you know, there, there probably is a period of time early on in every Christian's life where we should, we probably don't have, we haven't been walking with Jesus mm-hmm. enough. We don't have the accountability structure around us where sometimes we maybe do need to pull back just a little bit from some of those rhythms and rituals. You know, if I've got a problem where I'm getting drunk every night, still going to the bar probably with the same friends. Yes. With the same <laughs> friends probably isn't the, the best thing right. for me right away or, you know, whatever. Not that you should never talk to them again. No, either. exactly. Yeah. But I'm, there might be a period of time mm-hmm. where I need to pull back from some of those so that I can begin to really walk in uh, the way of Jesus. But over time, we should be releasing Christians mm-hmm. to engage mm-hmm. culture around them and enjoy life around them. I think that some of the statistics I've seen is the average Christian by about seven, eight years of being a Christ follower has like no meaningful non-believing relationships outside of their, their family. So we're just, like, so that all their relationships are only, only within. Yes. Yes. Just totally being sucked into mm-hmm. this subculture. And, uh, we should, we should be, it should be inverse. We should be flipping and, and sending those people out mm-hmm. back out to the culture and back out to just enjoy life and, and say, Hey, you've got the accountability. You're not, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess it up. You're going to do, but right. you, you've been walking with Jesus enough. You, you should be engaging and enjoying and having, uh, enjoying life. We shouldn't be constantly just retreating and saying, you know, well, you're done. You know, now that you found Christ, you know, you should be, you should be done. No more going to the bar ever. Yeah. No more, no more having fun. No more watching, right. you know, sports with your friends. No more going to concerts. No more doing this. No right. more, you know, um, there, so there is a healthy balance, right? but I think we've, we've, we've mistaken that. And it irritates me how many times I've heard sermons even where preachers will say, you know, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you'll be in five years. We're just sending the message out again. Don't, don't go out there and engage right. the world around you. It's a scary, you know, like we're in the village of M. Night Shyamalan's movie. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as we're in our little confines, we're safe. Right. But don't go out there and hang out with those scary non-believers in the rest of creation <laughs> because that's where you're going to get corrupted. Right. And I think we've, we've totally, and, and then we wonder why people aren't having fun and enjoying, exactly. enjoying culture and rubbing shoulders and looking and saying, all of this is a gift from God. Mm. 
This isn't some scary place. And if I, if I, guess what? If I sin and make a mistake, that's the whole point of grace to begin with. Right. I'm going to go out there and yes, I've got to have accountability. Yes, I should be leaning into my spiritual family. But the rest of this world, the rest of this creation is not something to fear. Mm-hmm. It's something beautiful, God-given that I should be looking around every corner and every conversation and seeing God's fingerprints all over it. And even better is when you can engage culture with your spiritual family yes. and go with other yes. people uh, out there. So, so all this to say, um, and we're going to talk. We're going to we're going to have a guest next episode. We're going to talk through some of the ways that, that this looks and how this looks to live this out and join this life. But, um, but we'll end with this, Drew. What are some ways? So let's say we've convinced someone's listening right now. And they're like, okay, you convinced me. I'm going to start enjoying this life more. But I have no idea what you mean. What does this look like? What are some ways that Christians can can tangibly start to live this out where they live, work, and play? I think it just I think it leans in by actually being aware of the place where you're actually at. So I think often we live distracted lives. Mm-hmm. Technology is only you know is only increasing this, but I think we are only the average person's probably only 20, 30% engaged where they're actually at, whether their neighborhood, whether their workplace, mm-hmm. whether the place where they're, they're, you know, uh, having hobbies, right. often very individualistically too. I think if you, if we would have more people create margin in their lives, mm-hmm. not just take on overtly religious activity all the time. Like I've got to, if I'm not serving in the church 10 hours a week, um, but rather would take a deep breath, have some margin in their life, and start to notice, I want to get to know the people around me. I want to join the rhythms and the rituals of my neighborhood. What do people do for fun? What is the story that's mm-hmm. which transpiring in those spaces? Uh, and how do I join it there and see every, you know, we could get on a big, long conversation about this, but every time I look into another person, whether or not they're a believer or not, I'm looking into the image mm-hmm. of God. So God, is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be seeing him. His fingerprints are going to be all over those conversations. And so, and there's things to be learned. Be curious, ask great questions, be interested in what's happening around you and, and start to enjoy that. I mean, we right. can start talking then about throwing neighborhood parties, uh, throwing parties in your workplace, being a person that's a connector of people. I think that's a, a lost mm-hmm. art in our culture. Um, you know, something that was even happening 50, 60 years ago. And I could go on and on and on, but I think yeah. a lot of it starts with presence and awareness. Mm-hmm. What is actually happening in my life? Because right. I don't think most of us actually notice it. <laughs> right. And I that, w- that would be my answer, and you said it, would be to be great party throwers, but not just that, connectors of people. And I think, um, and to extrapolate on that a little bit, it goes all the way back to the beginning of time, right? It says that God created us in our image, our image, meaning that there was a triune God, there was relationship happening there um, from the very beginning. And that I think that that's, a, you know, it says God is love. Uh, and there's this relational component at the beginning of time in history. And I think that when, you know, like you were saying, you look into someone's eyes and they're the image of God of like, we, if we're going to live out what it is to be in the image of God, it's to be in relationship with others and connectors of, of, with people. And so it's, it's being, it's not just throwing a great party, but connecting people and connecting people who don't know each other and making more connections. Because I think that that the more connections that we can build, um, with believers and non-believers or just anyone in general, really like, that's what it means to enjoy this life is that we see that we're not in it alone, that we were meant to be in relationship with others, um, from the very beginning being created in the image of God. Yeah. And I maybe close with this. 
I think for our listeners, hopefully, I think it can start with just prayer. Mm. Of just saying, and maybe it's a prayer walk. I do a prayer walk every week around our neighborhood, and I think it's been one of the most helpful things I've done. But just to literally say, God, give me eyes to see you moving. Mm. I think we think sometimes with this pious mentality, this either or subculture versus culture mentality, that I this, the world's a scary dark place, and I'm out there on my own trying to to be God. To, to people. Mm. And rather than saying, God tells us he's everywhere. He's moving right. well before we show up anywhere. And if we would stop and maybe pray and say, God, give me eyes to see where you're already moving, where in sometimes even in the most small ways to, with a smile on my face, mm. see beautiful things that are happening in the lives of my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers, uh, in my neighborhood, in the rhythms of rituals of what are happening around me. Uh, and, to truly be present there, to enjoy that, uh, recognize that, lean into those things. I guarantee you, if you start praying that prayer every mm-hmm. single week, you're going to start to see uh, your life in a totally different way. And you're going to feel rooted and connected and start to have mm-hmm. fun yeah. rather than you know, cruise controlling through your life mm-hmm. onto the next thing or onto the next church activity. I think it would be and even even the parts of culture that you're enjoying whether it's art or music or tv shows i think so many times we don't stop and to to pray or to ask god like why do i like this so much what are the themes in it and i'm and i'm guessing most of the time it's probably because it's got a biblical theme in it and whether or not you even realize that or not like oh i really like watching this show on tv why do i like it so much it's because there's justice there's mercy there's grace there's these things i think if we were just more open to seeing god in everything and not just putting him in a box and not integrated with culture, that we, we can enjoy those things and not feel guilty about them because we can see God in them uh, and not just as a separate, separate entity. Well, that's it for this episode of Dream, Create, Enjoy. We hope you feel challenged and inspired. While we welcome any listeners, this podcast is really for those in the Boston metro area. If that's you and you want to know more about us or want to connect to what's going on, Check us out at wearenaissance.org.